Should Utah wait out the Pac-12 media rights deal or head to the Big 12 right now? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. My name is JG Wisdo, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department, and today's show is brought to you by our great friends at Bird Dogs. This episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college, and they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order on today's show we're talking everyone's favorite thing conference realignment then we'll talk a little bit about one of the decision makers in that process but not the main one but still an important factor in mark harlan utah's athletic director getting extended a little on utah basketball and in order to help us do all of that it's friend of the show josh newman and josh when just saying should utah wait out the pac-12 media rights deal or should they leave for the big 12 right now I feel like they should absolutely wait. I don't think there's this sense that the meet that an offer from the Big 12 would be pulled. I still believe the Big 12 would like to take Utah. I still think they'd love to have all the four corner schools. It's we're in a little bit of an arms race to me in college athletics right now. I feel like teams are kind of, or not teams, excuse me, conferences are loading up. Right? You just saw the SEC and the Big 10 really strengthen themselves. And if you're the Big 12, yes, you brought in some schools. But like, if we're comparing acquisitions, obviously adding, and this isn't even a shot at BYU. Anyone would tell you adding. A BYU at Cincinnati, the four schools the Big 12 added, it pales in comparison to adding a UCLA, a USC, and what SEC did in Texas and Oklahoma. So that's where to me, I do feel like that Big 12 offer, to me, it wouldn't go away. I think it would be there. And I feel like they should wait out this Pac-12 media rights deal because, Josh, I, I know we've been saying this for months, but I kind of believe we're getting, we something should be coming up sooner rather than later. I mean, the date to circle at this point is July 21st mm-hmm. and Pac-12 media, they in Las Vegas, right? That's when George Klyovkov, the commissioner of the Pac-12, is uh, scheduled to, to speak to the media, right? That's like the the unofficial start of college football season is media day. Uh, Klyovkov has not done very much media here in the last year, uh, you know, a small mm-hmm. handful of things, but he will speak to open Pac-12 media day. And if you show up in Vegas on July 21st without something to say, without something tangible to show people, right? There's going to be national media, local media, beat writers, the whole thing. You have to come up with something. So I think everybody everybody paying attention, me, you, writers, administrators, presidents, like everybody's kind of looking at that July 21st as the, as the target date for Klyovkov to either have the deal done or be able to say something, something tangible has to be available on July 21st. Now, in terms of Utah, Utah's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going anywhere, right? Colorado's not going anywhere. Oregon, Washington, whoever you want to talk to, nobody's going anywhere. Nothing is happening until you see uh, a media rights deal and a number, and then you can talk about movement. But right now, as we're we're sitting here on, on June 20th, still without a media rights deal signed, there is no monetary figure. There is no length of years. There is nothing Nothing going on right now. So until there is something on the table, until there is a real, like, physical number attached to this situation, nobody's going anywhere. And, yeah, there's a lot of noise, right, with Colorado and Arizona, and that's all it is. It's noise. Nobody's going anywhere 
until there's a number. And, you know, look, we've, this is going on almost one year, right? Like we're 10 days shy of the one year anniversary of, uh, uh, of UCLA and USC announcing their move to the big 10. And it's been from the, from the presidential administrator side, it's been a very consistent message that they are working as one. They are tethered together. They, everybody wants to stay in the PAC 12, but uh, you know, aside from that, sure. You've got the individual schools working in their own best interest, whether it be again, Colorado flirting or Arizona flirting. I can promise you that, you know, Taylor Randall, the president of the University of Utah and Mark Harlan, the athletic director at Utah, there have certainly been backroom conversations and everybody talking to each other and trying to just gauge things. Yes, everybody is tethered together. They're, you know, they want to stay together. They'll see what the number is, but you would be doing your athletic department, your school, a real injustice if you as the president and or the AD were not at least hearing things and talking mm-hmm. to people and trying to really decide not what is in the collective best interest, but what is in your own best interest in case you are compelled to try to get out if the number is not sufficient enough. That's a great point. I mean, we have heard everyone talk about how like, oh, we want to stay together. We wanted this. We wanted that. And the reason the true reason they really want to stay together is because each individual member feels like that's what's best for them. They enjoyed their time in the Pac-12, of course. But if they did feel like, hey, we need to make a move to a Big 12 eventually, that's something they would get to. But like you mentioned, there is no pressure. And uh, you mentioned something really interesting with Commissioner Klykoff that I do think is kind of crazy. It is. And I was thinking about as you talk about this, like the NBA kind of works this way, too. It's surprising how little we get the commissioners of any major conferences really like in front of beat writers, in front of media to be able to talk. I mean, it's Commissioner Kalayakov. I, I know he does, um, as we said, the Pac-12 Media Day is the first thing coming up. I, I don't – I can't remember if he has one for the championship game for football. I don't think he does, Josh, but I know he does one for basketball. Does he do one for football? Yeah, so uh, I think bef- – I'm thinking before the 21 football championship game between Utah and Oregon – they did a in-person availability at Allegiant Stadium with George Klyakov this past year. The uh, I think the Tuesday before the championship game between Utah and USC, I think he did a Zoom call. So, you know, essentially Klyakov's availability is uh, Pac-12 Media Day, both basketball and football, uh, at the Pac-12 basketball tournament, the Pac-12 championship game, and that and that's really kind of it in terms of like a large scale. He'll do a you know he'll, he'll do a TV hit here and there. Yeah. He'll do a he'll do a high level podcast thing here and there. But like you're not seeing the commissioner of the Pac-12 doing much now. That's interesting. That's in like stark contrast to what Brett Yormark, the that's new true. commissioner of the Big 12, is doing. You know, Yormark is is kind of uh, he's a bit of a salesman, right? He's trying mm-hmm. to sell the Big 12, and he's trying to sell people on you know we are hunting and we are you know, looking to expand. So he's doing more media because he's trying to sell people, uh, writers, fans, everybody. He's trying to sell people on what his vision is for the Big 12. So, you know, Klyavkov, Yormark, they're both Power 5 commissioners, but they both have very different agendas right now. And you make a great point about Yormark selling the conference as well, because I feel like, look, there, we've heard lots of different rumors. There's rumors that the, there was someone from the Pac-12 source that uh, John Canzano recently put out that said, like, they were going to beat the Big 12's numbers. We've heard that. We've heard they'll be close to it. We've heard they're going to, like, drastically trail that number as well. We've heard lots of different things overall. And because of all these different things, you have different opinions and everyone flying around. While we've heard someone like Commissioner Yormark, as you mentioned, like the Big 12 has projected kind of more strength just because they have this media rights deal. They have everyone together at the moment. And I think that's led to a perception, which like I said, a lot of the fans could end up being right. But a lot of people think the Pac-12 is drastically behind. I'm not sure that's the case, but it also could end up being a 
lopsided media rights deal. So that's something that's interesting to see how it's all going to play out. There's a lot up in the air with this, but I think the most important thing for Utah right now is just to wait and see how it plays out. Because as you said, they're not going, Utah's not going anywhere. That's where they're in a strong position. And uh, one thing they've tried to do to kind of stabilize their future is they have extended Mark Harlan. We are going to talk about what that means for the university in a moment. But first, I want to tell you guys a little bit more about our friends at Bird Dogs. Bird Dog stretchy khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. In fact, Bird Dogs fix this issue for their own shorts by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Guys, I use my Bird Dogs all the time, whether I'm recording these podcasts, taking my dog for a walk, hanging out with friends, going to the movies. They're my short of choice. I've recently got a pair and I've fallen in love with them. They've become my favorite pair of shorts and you guys will too. And you guys can get your own pair of bird dogs right now. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take off your bird dogs. We promise you. So once again, go to birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Also, as you guys are listening to this, the NBA draft is tonight. Don't miss out on Locked On's NBA draft live on Thursday night. Pick-by-pick analysis from our stable of local NBA hosts. National reactions from our NBA big board hosts. And live check-ins from inside the NBA draft. Locked On NBA Draft live starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on Locked On NBA YouTube page. There might not be a lot of suspense around the first pick, but after that, we'll see. It should be a, a fun, exciting draft, and we'll be interested to see what the Jazz do as well just for the for the Utah market. And speaking of the Utah market, Mark Harlan was recently extended by the University of Utah, and it was extension runs through 2028. He's been Utah Select Director since 2018, and look, Utah Athletics have obviously enjoyed immense success under Harlan. I mean, it's, I mean, look at the last calendar year. I mean, what the softball program's been able to do, uh, women's basketball, of course, what they've been able to accomplish as well. And uh, look, it's interesting when you're looking at Mark Harlan, he of course didn't hire Kyle Whittingham too, but I still think he does deserve some credit for success. They've acted quickly and put together the Crimson Club or Crimson Collective, excuse me. So that works into things as well. Um, I know men's basketball, we'll talk about them in a second. They haven't been at where they would like to be, but I still think that's another one where give it a little bit of time. I mean, they did enjoy that successful run to the Sweet 16 um, back in that one year. And it does. I still like Craig Smith. We'll see how it all plays out for them. I think there's a lot of uh, athletic directors who might have made a decision. You know, Lynn Roberts, this team only won five games back in 2020. And he, he stuck by her, stayed with her. And since this women's basketball team has become not just a powerhouse in the Pac-12, but in the country as well. So, and we are in a course there's a number of other utah athletic programs that are enjoying a lot of success right now unlike they've seen in the past so i absolutely think this was the right move to extend mark harland and especially with all the conference realignment uh uncertainty kind of going on right now i think you want to have someone with experience here and uh i also heard a rumor that usc was kind of looking at him too i don't know how the validity of that but i will say i just think it was great to get mark harland locked in because i think he's done a really good job josh 
Yeah, no, I would agree. You know, the USC stuff, I, I did see that. Uh, mm-hmm. I forget who reported that. I mean, yeah. but, you know, that that makes some sense. I mean, USC has been uh, a model of instability for yeah. a number of years, you know, especially now with, you know, mm-hmm. with the situation with Mike Bone. Yeah. Look, Harlan, Har- Harlan's a Southern California native, mm-hmm. uh, you know, worked at UCLA for a number of years. Uh, he's, you know, he, he, uh, he gives off an air of, you know, stability and, um, and, you know, what's the word, just very buttoned up, you know, very solid with what he does. That would have made a lot of sense for USC, but I digress, you know, the, um, the thing with a, the thing with a power five athletic director, I mean, if you're going to be effective at this level of college athletics, you need to be doing a, a, a few specific things. I mean, you need to be able to raise money mm-hmm. and Harlan has done that. Mark Harlan has been able to raise a, a gigantic amount of money since he showed up here in 2018 and kind of connected to that when things need to be built, you need to get things built. And Harlan has been able to do that. Right. So just a quick like scratch list without looking it up in Harlan's time. Um, Rice Eccles stadium got renovated during the pandemic, right? They finished the South end zone. Uh, the golf program got its own facility across the street from the Eccles football center. Um, a baseball stadium is now moving forward under Harlan's watch. I want to say a lacrosse field or something with a soccer mm-hmm. program. There were some capital improvements to those programs. So you have to raise money. Gymnastics as well. Uh, right. That was the other one, right? Mm-hmm. Gymnastics, right? The Dumkey Gymnastics Center just finished mm-hmm. up a, you know, a three, three and a half million dollar overhaul under Harlan's watch. So, you know, again, two very specific things that he's done, raise money, get things built. He's done a really good job of that. Um, you alluded to this, JT, I think in this time right now, where there is uncertainty and, you know, conference realignment and the media deal, and nobody really knows what's going to go on here. I think you are better off having stability in the athletic director position and Harlan, you know, in his time here and extending him through close to the end of the decade, Mm -hmm. that represents stability at a time when there is some, you know, instability and you really have to have your ducks in a row and look, you know, Mark Harlan, and his relationship with Taylor Randall, that's a strong president AD relationship. Okay. Taylor Randall is a, you know, um, I don't want to say a sports centric president, but Taylor Randall certainly understands, you know, the, the economics of athletics and what athletics can do for the university as a whole. You know, I think Taylor Randall a few months ago noted that, you know, they, they had never had more deposits for a freshman class um, than this incoming freshman class now had never had, you know, more applicants. And that has a lot to do with the football program and the Rose Bowl and the visibility of Kyle Whittingham's program. And of course that's under Mark Carlin's direction. So, you know, big picture, macro, micro, whatever you want to call it, you know, however you want to look at it. I think Harlan has done a very effective job since showing up. And I think it makes all the sense again in this time frame to extend Mark Harlan and they, you know, and they got him, uh, you know, that USC thing was interesting. I, I completely mm-hmm. understand it. But I do think on a personal level, I do think genuinely that Mark likes Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. I think he likes raising his kids here, right? He's got one kid. Yeah. It, uh, I think his daughter is getting ready to graduate high school. He's got a, a son who I believe is a freshman or a sophomore in high school. He's raised his kids here essentially, uh, you know, for a while now. So I think he I think he likes the idea of having his family here and 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 and, and being able to raise his kids here. 
Yeah, and you, they, it's a very um, you or excuse me, you just see them at the you see him with his family a lot at Always. the appearance. Well, they they enjoy going to um to the different games. Um, and you mentioned President Randall too. He's he's been in especially football is harder to find just because the venue's obviously so spread out. Um, right. I've seen him at a number of basketball games, so yeah. there is a support there, which is a very welcome thing. Not every president, now I will say, most Power Five do, but not every president supports their athletic programs the way that uh, Randall that President Randall does. So I think that is a positive thing for the university overall and look as we mentioned i mean all these athletics programs have enjoyed immense success under harland and it is it is amazing josh just in a today's world how important it became that ability to raise money i mean that yeah, is something for sure. about nil now and the impact it's had on college athletics i i think that's a real plus for the university that you have an athletic director and mark harland who you've been able to kind of guide these programs and help them achieve this success it's exciting that uh renovations wise especially a lot of things i think there was a they announced plans as well for a, a new football practice facility and indoor that uh, that's another one that i forgot yeah they're yeah. you know they're in the middle of trying to raise like 62 million dollars you know they were able to get that bonded through the legislature mm-hmm. that again that's under the athletic director's watch that's a major major piece of the puzzle in terms of athletics and capital projects and trying to keep up with you know with the facilities arms race nationally that's a that's a big one that i forgot that's a huge piece of the puzzle for the football program and the athletic department getting that new indoor football practice facility built yeah, you put the more, and you mentioned the red zone um, as well, just getting more seats in for your football team that is kind of yep. growing in popularity. And they have uh, their, all their consecutive sellouts. We'll do a little bit of air quotes because for anyone who's been to <laughs> you can kind of look up and see there's a couple people not up at the very sure. top. It's like, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll give them a pass. It's, it's tickets, a tickets distributed, JT. Yeah. <laughs> in quotes, tickets distributed. <laughs> oh, exactly. Um, and, yeah, I, like we said, I think this is the this is a good good move for the University of Utah. It'll be interesting to see uh, – what Harlan and kind of President Randall, how they do handle the, the media rights thing. And uh, I think we kind of mentioned the one, if you're looking at all the Utah programs right now, um, mentioned women's basketball, the success, gymnastics, obviously, football being another one. Um, and, you know, maybe with baseball, because you are building a new a baseball stadium itself, um, maybe that will help turn their kind of seasons and luck around because they have they were in pretty down this year. Um, I think the, the lone one of like the major sports that obviously isn't at the level that I think Harlan and everyone would like to see is, is the men's basketball program. You know, they got off to a, an okay start last year, but then obviously the win against Arizona, um, it, I, it was such a bummer that that win against Arizona, you know, you knock off a top four team at home and a bunch of students couldn't be there because the very next day you're playing for a Pac-12 championship. Right. So- like right. kind of got swept under the rug a little bit, but it also happened in December. And that um, that feels like a long time ago, uh, especially in terms of basketball and how we saw everything play out. They did not end the season the way they'd hoped for. Um, they did get Brandon Carlson back, looking at ahead to the team for the 23-24 season. But how do you feel about this Utah program with Craig Smith and the roster he's selling right now? Because I feel like they're still kind of on pace for the rebuild. But the one thing, and this is also just where it's interesting in college basketball in general, is there's not a ton of recruits really coming in, but that's, in general, it's kind of how basketball's kind of changed a little bit. You know, I've been pretty bullish on the job that Craig Smith has done. Um, let, let's start with this. Utah gave Craig Smith a six-year deal. Mm-hmm. There's a reason he got a six-year deal, yeah. okay? Because when he walked in here, he was taking over a, pre- a pretty sizable mess, okay? The end of the Larry Kostoviak days were, you know, were not good, okay? Um, recruiting had plateaued. I didn't think there was a ton of talent. On, on or no, let me back up. I didn't think there was a, a enough talent on Larry's last team in 1920 where you could be like, yeah, this team could go to the NIT yep. or this team could go to the NCAA tournament. So Craig Smith walks in the door and Timmy Allen, Michaelian Tunin, Alfonso Plummer all walked out the door. 
So immediately walking in the door, like you've gotten the job late to begin with, your three best players walk out the door. So you're, you know, you're left filling a roster and right. They were trying to, you know, fit square pegs into round holes with, you know, Craig with his first roster, right? Like David Jenkins did not pan out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Booth Gotch, right. His like second tour of duty here. I was kind of like, I had kind of like talked myself into that being a good idea. If he was engaged, did not pan out. So in this day and age with, you know, the one-time transfer exemption, guys can, you know, leave and be eligible immediately. You had guys walk out the door and new guys come in the door and they were better last year. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, Craig, you know, Craig put together what I thought was a, a, you know, a pretty solid basketball team. Like, look, you beat Arizona and you started five and zero in the pac 12. And like, look at one point in mid February, like I'm looking at it as I'm talking, they were 17 and nine overall 10 and five in the pac 12. They were like on the tournament bubble, you know, Mm -hmm. on the, on the bubble periphery. And then look, Gabe Madsen gets hurt. Yeah. You had no response to that because you just didn't have enough depth. Um, Riley Worcester missed some time. You know, he was your best option at point guard. I don't care what that end of the fan base says about Mike Saunders Jr. Raleigh Worcester was your best option at point guard and he was, and you know, he was unavailable. So, you know, you kind of tanked at the end of the season, right? You had this like gauntlet of like both Arizona schools, both LA schools, you know, you lost in the first round of Pac-12 tournament, you finished poorly. I think you, I think you took steps forward in year two, but it was kind of overshadowed by the way the season ended with the injuries and the six game losing streak. And then now, you know, this off season, which is kind of, you know, you know, the off season is essentially coming to an end in terms of, you know, roster maintenance, roster construction, the portal, you know, you look at the roster, I think you probably improved again. Okay. I think Cole Badgema, right. The, you know, the older kid from Washington, he's a knockdown shooter. That's one thing that, especially when Madsen went out last year, you just didn't have another knockdown guy. Mm -hmm. Badgema is like a microwave pull up from all over the gym, knockdown guy. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you've got Badgema. Brandon Carlson's coming back after going through the, you know, the NBA draft workout circuit. He was expected to come back. Uh, Lawson Lovering, who was a, you know, a seven foot freshman last year at Colorado. They needed more size. You went out and got some experience. Lovering was really good for Colorado down the stretch. Um, You know, Davon Smith, right? You need some more depth in your backcourt. Davon Smith, you know, played pretty well for Georgia Tech for the last couple of years. That's an, you know, that's an older guy, right? So you've got Badgema, an older guy. Lovering, only a sophomore, but he's got Pac-12 experience. Davon Smith, older guy at the at the Power 5 level. Um, you know, Madsen back healthy. Ben Carlson back healthy. Worcester is now in his fourth year of, of college, has played his previous three years for Craig Smith. Uh, Kay Bakeda is a year older. People forget that Kay Bakeda, really, really raw, okay? Kay Bakeda has been in the, in the United States for like five years, didn't play high-level AAU basketball, just wasn't seasoned, right? He's a freak athlete. He's got the tools. You know, you saw some things that you were, you know, that you thought were optimistic. He's a rim-to-rim guy, can play defense. He's going to be fine. Uh, Wilkins Exacte Jr. is a is a is a physical specimen. Again, yeah, the, you know, hasn't played a ton of high-level basketball. You know, he wasn't on the sneaker circuit, right? Didn't play Nike, Adidas, Under Armour. You got to have some patience. So, I'm rambling a bit here, but what I'm saying is, yeah. I, I I remain bullish on what Craig Smith is trying to do here. And I think this roster, this will be his third roster. I think this is his most talented roster um, since he's been here. Now, look, 
Are they still deficient in some areas? Yes. Um, did, did this recruiting cycle solve all your problems? No. But I think you are closer to where you want to be. Now, my last point here, one thing that the fan base has kind of, you know, kind of killed Craig Smith on is that he's not using all 13 scholarships, right? Right now, you've got 12 of your 13 scholarships filled. What are you doing with the 13 scholarship? Well, it's getting a little late for sure. Now, remember, this is a world championship year at the under-19 level. So you, so you could be babysitting somebody from, you know, from Europe, somebody you're looking at. They're, you know, they might be trying to get a Jugo kid you know, in academically. These things take some time. Okay, you might see that 13 scholarship used. Again, late Jugo kid, somebody in Europe, somebody that you know, when they go over to Europe for the world championships, right, the under-19 world championships, you might see somebody that you like there. Don't be surprised if there's a late get for that 13 scholarship. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And you make a great point on the overall roster. I mean, just going down the line, like everyone that's there is a little better. And especially when Gabe got hurt. I mean, look, Lazarus Stefanovic was nice when he was coming off the bench, but he was a guy, a lot of those 15 point games, it would take him 14 shots to get there. He just, he, yeah. was, he would end up being in a lot of shots his way. The kind of, I remember the stretch down late against Arizona state just wasn't the prettiest basketball, of course, right. for this Utah team. And uh, look, you can go back to the very Kostoviak era. I remember, uh, at the time, it was Pele Larson, and I'm trying to remember the guard's name, who's over on Maryland now. Um, Ian Martinez, who actually Martin. just committed to Utah State. Oh, he did just commit to Utah State. Interestingly enough. But, yeah, they, I mean, you know what? I, I I shouldn't say that there wasn't enough talent on that 1920 team, but, like. They didn't it pan just, out. I it think just I, didn't pan out. Like, yeah, Martinez I mean, was, you know, Martinez was not ready. I think Larson, I don't, you know, depending he's a, on who you ask. Like, Arizona. Like, I just don't yeah, think Yeah, like, they probably be. weren't. Yeah, I mean, they probably weren't using Larson enough. Plummer was just a non-starter in terms of defense. It just right. they they probably had enough guys that it just it just didn't gel correctly. Yeah, and I don't think it would have in Utah. I mean, as we mentioned, I think Pele's a guy that you know with the flashes he showed his freshman year. I think we all thought he's going to grow into a special college player. And you know, last two years, look, Arizona's gotten balanced. That's not obviously his fault, but he. I mean, there's been obviously he's not a starter for that team as well. And they were a very good team, like Arizona yeah. is as well. But I just don't know. I don't watch him and been like, man, if Utah had him, he'd be a star here. I don't. I don't think that's the case. No, I don't watch no. that and say the same thing about an Ian Martinez either. So, and look, even Stefanovic was a guy that was kind of a holdover from the Smith era that Smith brought in that coach um, or that excuse me, Larry brought in that Coach Smith was able to hold on to. Didn't pan out extremely how they had probably hoped as well overall. Now he's going to come to UCLA. Still did some nice things, but once again, didn't pan out as they hoped. So I, I do agree. And especially, I think just because of how sour the season ended, a lot of people were quick to white it off as like, oh, things are not going in a good direction. Like, this is bad. It was a clear step in the right direction. But compared to your first year where things did not pan out as they had hoped. Yeah, again, I, I, left, I definitely left last season mm-hmm. thinking that it was a clear step in the right direction. I didn't think they were that far away. You know, from being a tournament team, like, <laughs> I remember, like, before Madsen went down in, I think that was like late January yeah. before Madsen went down. I remember thinking like, I'm looking at the resume and I'm looking around the country. I'm like, it would take something like pretty catastrophic to not get to the NIT and something catastrophic happened. Yeah. Right. Like Madsen goes down, yeah. Worcester goes down. You had this gauntlet of games at the end, Yeah, you know, six Brutal. game losing streak, you know, you end up 17 and 15 and it's just, yeah. So, but again, like I think, the Pac-12 is – the Pac-12 is not exactly projected as good 
<laughs> this coming year. You know, I think, I think Arizona, you know, on paper, as we sit here in June, I think Arizona is probably the Pac-12 favorite. Mm-hmm. If you want to say it's USC, like I'm, I'm buying that, right? That, yeah. that USC team has talent beyond just Bronny James, yes. which is obviously <laughs> going to be a circus. So Arizona, um, USC, mm-hmm. UCLA is very well coached. They, you know, they lose a ton, but they brought in some talents. And then you start getting into like Oregon, and then it's kind of a crapshoot. Like if you mm-hmm. look at Utah, you look at the Pac-12. You know, I don't know where I would put Utah in like a preseason poll right now. But if you tell me in like late February that they're at like five, six and on the bubble and fighting for the tournament. Like, I don't think that's that crazy. I think there's enough there. And I don't think the Pac-12 is good enough where you should be worried about probably two thirds of those teams in the Pac-12. I just don't. I absolutely agree with you. And it's going to be interesting to see, like you mentioned, if they use that 13 scholarship spot, but right. even if they don't, I mean, they were not projected to be as good as they were even last season where for so much of the year, they were third in the PAC 12. And then obviously the season ends and you kind of stumble down farther down the rankings overall. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out for the Utah basketball program. And of course for Utah, as they're still trying to figure out their media rights deal with the PAC 12 conference too. Josh, appreciate you joining us. Of course, man. I appreciate it as always. Make sure you guys give Josh a follow at Joshua Newman on Twitter. And we'll be back with you tomorrow talking more Utah football. That's going to do it for us. Enjoy the NBA draft, and we'll see you tomorrow. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably, indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.